Hello, I'm Father Joe Roche of the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Thank you for joining us as we continue with our year-long journey reading the diary of St. Maria Faustina Kowalska from beginning to end. Today we take up from where we left off, beginning with diary entry number 251. After perpetual vows, I stayed in Krakow throughout the month of May because it was undecided whether I was to go to Rabka or to Vilnius. Once Mother General Michael asked me, Why are you sitting here so quietly and not getting ready to go somewhere, sister? I answered, I want to do God's pure will. Wherever you bid me to go, dear mother, I will know God's pure will for me will be there without any admixture on my part. Mother General replied to this very well. The next day she summoned me and said, You wanted to have God's pure will, sister. Very well then, you are going to Vilnius. I thanked her and awaited the day when I would be told to go. However, my soul was filled with a certain joy and fear at one and the same time. I felt that God was preparing great graces for me there, but also great sufferings. Yet I stayed on in Krakow until the 27th of May. As I had no regular duties, I only went to help in the garden, and as it happened that I worked all alone for the whole month, I was able to make a Jesuit retreat. Although I went to community recreation, I still managed to make the Jesuit retreat. I received much light from God during this time. It was four days after my perpetual vows. I was trying to make a holy hour. It was the first Thursday of the month. As soon as I entered the chapel, God, God's presence enveloped me. I was distinctly aware that the Lord was near me. After a moment, I saw the Lord all covered with wounds, and he said to me, Look at whom you have espoused. I understood the meaning of these words and answered the Lord, Jesus, I love you more when I see you wounded and crushed with suffering like this than if I saw you in majesty. Jesus asked why. I replied, Great majesty terrifies me, little nothing that I am, and your wounds draw me to your heart and tell me of your great love for me. After this conversation, there was silence. I fixed my gaze upon his sacred wounds, and I felt happy to suffer with him. I suffered, and yet I did not suffer, because I felt happy to know the depth of his love, and the hour passed like a minute. I must never judge anyone, but look at others with leniency, and at myself with severity. I must refer everything to God, and in my own eyes recognize myself for what I am, utter misery and nothingness. In suffering, I must be patient and quiet, knowing that everything passes in time. The moments I lived through when I was taking my personal vows are better left unsaid. I am in him and he in me. As the Bishop Rospond was putting the ring on my finger, God pervaded my whole being, and since I cannot express that moment, I will be silent about it. My relationship with God, since perpetual vows, has been more intimate than it had ever been before. I sensed that I love God and that He loves me. Having once tasted God, my soul could not live without Him. One hour spent at the foot of the altar in the great, greatest dryness of spirit is dearer to me 
than a hundred years of worldly pleasures. I prefer to be a lowly drudge in the convent than a queen in the world. I will hide from people, people's eyes whatever good I am able to do, so that God himself may be my reward. I will be like a tiny violet hidden in the grass, which does not hurt the foot that treads on it, but diffuses its fragrance, and forgetting itself completely, tries to please the person who has crushed it underfoot. This is very difficult for human nature, but God's grace comes to one's aid. Thank you, Jesus, for the greatest favor of making known to me the whole abyss of my misery. I know that I am an abyss of nothingness, and that if your holy grace did not hold me up, I would return to nothingness in a moment. And so, with every beat of my heart, I thank you, my God, for your great mercy towards me. After having made her final vows, which which house she would be transferred to was not immediately decided, and St. Faustina wanted to be completely open to God's will through the decision of her superiors. She didn't want to try to impose her will in any way. And as it turns out, she was transferred to Vilnius, where Blessed Michael Sapochko would become her spiritual director. So God's hand is evident in influencing the superiors to send her there. Uh, St. Faustina was able to make a uh, Jesuit retreat, as she says, which was a 30-day silent retreat um, that the Jesuits would make during their uh, third um, uh, probation or immediate preparation before final vows. St. Faustina, it's interesting, was able to make this right at the time of her vows, maybe a little bit afterwards, but still she had that that experience of uh, being able to meditate on the... the, uh, experiences in the life of Jesus, and to prepare herself for the mission that would come. In a holy hour, St. Faustina saw Jesus' suffering, and she was moved to suffer with him and to contemplate his wounds. St. Faustina must have received many graces during her final vows. She was united to God spiritually in a way that words can't describe. Once again, we can think of um, that uh, chapter in John, where Jesus says that uh, if we do his word, uh, God will come to us and dwell in us. And so it seems that God is dwelling in the heart of uh, St. Faustina in a very profound way, and he wants to do the same with all of us. Uh, St. Faustina wanted only to be united with God. She writes that she would prefer to spend one hour spent at the foot of the altar in the greatest dryness of spirit to 100 years of worldly pleasures. So despite the many mystical graces that she receives, St. Faustina still has to suffer through moments of dryness and struggle in her prayers like the rest of us. And she seeks to do everything in secret, for God knows what for God knows what we do in secret, and God will reward us. It reminds me of that gospel passage on Ash Wednesday, when we're told to pray and to fast and to give alms in secret, in the secret of our room, and that God, who sees all things in secret, will reward us. And finally, St. Faustina thanks Jesus for revealing her misery to her, uh, how small she was and how much she still needs to grow. She doesn't want to be filled with inordinate pride. Uh, Her humility keeps her relying on the Lord and staying on the right path.
please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have enjoyed this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help other people throughout the world find St. Faustina's Diary in a Year. Remember, Jesus promised St. Faustina in Diary number 1075, Souls who spread the honor of divine mercy are protected by God like an infant by a gentle mother. Please help us spread the message of divine mercy. Thank you, and God bless you. Visit shopmercy.org to order your copy of Divine Mercy in My Soul, the diary of St. Maria Faustina Kowalska. It's available in print in English, Spanish, and Polish, and in English as an e-book, available now on shopmercy.org. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org.